Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message, brought to you by 7-Eleven Pickles. Not really. They're not sponsored. I was pretty us. upset. They're I was at Mountain Dew, and uh, they don't have the actual full pickles. The full pickle. I was going to rotate the bag really? so that it I'll was like perfectly positioned. But I have to open it as soon as we get started. Yeah, it's just the way that it is. Um, and I know that you guys talked about me last week in that. But anyway, welcome to episode number 95. We are inching closer closer to 100. Nothing really happens at 100. We're just impressed that we've got through 100 of these. Maybe Christian will have his confetti cannons. Maybe. He's pretty known for his confetti cannons. So we are glad that you're joining us. Like I said, Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the message. Um, I am excited to be back. Last week I was on vacation. Week before that we weren't live. So if you are joining us now, Feel free to type in the chat, say, hey, we can see you. We'll be able to respond back to you, whether that's on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, or just on our website, our church platform. Uh, we'd love to say hi, love to hear any questions. We do have a couple emails that we're going to get to, but before we jump into the questions, into the review, um, what we'd like to do is just let you know a couple things that are happening within the life of the church. And specifically, what we're really trying to push for the next couple weeks is our cow connect on Wednesday is coming back mm. on September 8th. Uh, we are super excited. We have a ton of different classes that are going to be happening. There's stuff for kids, stuff for youth, stuff for adults. There's a ton of different offerings, but also there's a way that you can be a part of that by volunteering. There's a ton of different offerings that if you would like to give of your time, your energy, there's about 40 different roles. I think we, we counted. It's like 42, I think mm -hmm. is the exact number. 42 different roles each week that we, we are looking for volunteers for. And in order to do this well, we are asking for your help. So if you would like more information on just the offerings or to sign up or to see the ways that we could use help, go to clcfamily.church slash cow, just C-O-W, and you'll see all of the different things. It's all listed on the website there. If you have questions, let us know. Info at clcfamily.church. You can call us. You can text us. Whatever works, we'd just love to have you be a part of that. And then the other thing that I'll just announce real quick is that next Friday, not this week, but on uh, August 27th, we are going to be doing another Fourth Friday Flicks. Yeah. We're going to be watching two movies. The first one is A Bug's Life. I think that was the 1999, was about, Yeah, Toy Story and Bug's Life are the two big Pixar's yeah. that came out. Yeah, so it's, it's around that time, but A Bug's Life will be our 5.30 showing, and then at our 7.30 showing, we're going to be doing The Sandlot. That is a summer class. We watched it at my freshman college orientation because it was you a really? Christian Bible Baptist school. So okay. Like, no cuss words. There you go. It's, so that's what we watched. Did, they, did somebody stand up and block like the Wendy Peppercorn? No, no, not stand up. No, 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 no. We never. That was too inappropriate. Okay. Um, no, um, the Bugs Life. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, okay. So just, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, well, we're going to be watching the Bugs Life, then the Sandlot. So yeah. uh, mark your calendars. You'll start to see more promotion this week as we get that information out. So that is kind of the two announcements. What time are those have. movies? So the first movie, The Bugs Life, is at 5.30, and mm. then at 7.30 is The Sandlot. So, so you can do the double feature, still get your kids you in can. bed before 9.30. There'll right. be concessions, all a dollar. Lots of, lots of, lots of fun. Our goal is just to break even on the things and yeah. create a good event for you to invite your friends yes. and family and neighbors for us. You can't just see this as, wow, the church does this for me. Nope, right. it's a tool, a resource for you to invite someone to come with you and start having conversations about why we do these things, yeah. which is because we love them and because Jesus loves them and he actually has a plan for them. And we believe people always return to the last place they felt loved, particularly yeah. in a moment of pain or sorrow. And we want to be that place for your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, even your boss who you don't like. And we <laughs> want to do that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I love exciting. my boss. Josh, Jesus. Is my boss. 
So. Yeah, you should love Jesus. Yeah, I love Jesus too. Yeah. So, um, um, anyway, yeah. I will give a review. Yeah, do you want to jump into the review? Yeah, so this is some hard stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> we're in week 11 of the Better series. By the way, we just keep extending that bad boy. <laughs> now it's through the middle of September. Like, oh, there's still another choice, another choice, another choice. So, we just keep extending it. So, we'll be in it till the week after Labor Day. So, but, uh, so week 11 of a, oh, maybe 13, all summer long series, yeah. essentially. But... So it's week 11 of week 60 plus in the Luke series. Yeah. But it's also week three of the stewardship series. Now, you wouldn't know that because I wasn't telling you it was a stewardship series. But the last two weeks and then this week, this third week, we have really been talking about why God's given us resources. Hmm. And each week, it seems like Jesus is being a little bit more direct and uh, revealing more and more consequences about what poor stewardship leads to. So, as someone who loves you and wants good for you, loves our church, wants good for our church, but starting to love the world the way that Jesus does, really, we got to see all of stewardship as something that we get to participate in, manage stuff that God's entrusted us. That's why I like you're not an owner, you're a steward or a manager of the things that God's entrusted. So we go, what do we do with all this stuff? Especially yeah. if you have lots of stuff. So we're trying to figure out, because I told you last week, you're stress is connected to your stuff but a more important thing that's connected to one another is what jesus tells us after this couple of pretty important stories about us being focused and using our stuff that we have for the good of others he then says that we should sell all of our possessions and give them to the poor he literally means exchange the stuff that your stuff for justice right mm -hmm. and then he says a very important statement he says where your treasure is there your heart will be also and mm -hmm. this is so revolutionary, and we talked about last week, so for those of the overtime, you kind of got a sneak peek to this week's sermon. What's so revolutionary in this is Jesus actually draws a big, bold yeah. line or segment. It doesn't end. It ends, I mean, a segment, a line that ends with, you know, two points, right? A big, bold segment between our treasure, that's all the inventory, the stuff that we've been entrusted by the man, the owner as the manager. All the stuff, all of our possessions, all of our treasure, all the things we value. He ties a direct line segment to our heart. Yeah. And by the 800 times in the scriptures, that heart shows up and it never refers to the organ. It's always our sense of who we are, like our our essence, essentially. And he says that your treasure is directly tied to your essence. And mm -hmm. so what we have seen in this is going, oh, I got to. Uh, my heart's good, so I gotta show that my heart's good by giving things. And but then you go, my heart's not really good. And this is where Jesus says He loves God, loves a cheerful giver, because there's something about this. And you go, well, how do I get my heart right? It's really, really interesting. You you may really really strange get your heart right by actually uh, taking your treasure and putting it in the kingdom. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, I talked to you about a little bit during overtime last week, that it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, for that is your logical act of worship. So he literally tells us that, because that, so the way that we worship God is by offering ourselves, right? So you yeah. offer yourself. But the thing that we say often is, that's literally like a living sacrifice. And you go, well, how in the world do I keep myself on the altar? And then he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So essentially what I've almost always said is, hey, here's how it works. You change your mind, mm -hmm. then you change your actions. Change your mind. That's what repentance is. Change the way you think. And then your thoughts become... Your beliefs, your beliefs become your values, and your, your values determine your actions, right? But what's interesting about Romans 12, 1 and 2 is he actually says, offer your bodies 
then change your mind, yeah. right? So this is so interesting that it's kind of backwards. And that's why I think this passage on where your treasure is, your heart is as well, it kind of gives an indication that if you really, really want to get the essence of you, who you are to participate in the kingdom, yeah. the way by which that happens is you take your treasure and you place it in the kingdom. Yeah. Take your treasure and place it in the kingdom as you place your treasure in the kingdom, your heart cannot help but follow it. So this was a message I'm trying to convince you that you should put all your treasure all your possessions into kingdom work, which is really, really helpful because it gives us kind of a, an understanding of what Jesus came to do and what he will eventually make happen, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus came to bring his kingdom to earth, right? Because remember this, his, his number one goal was for you and him to be together forever. So he started the initiation of you and him, I and him together forever in in his coming kingdom. So Jesus came to establish his kingdom and rule and reign, but he will one day sit on a throne and be fully king of this this world. The kingdom of heaven will will take over every single nook and cranny of, of earth, right? And so, but that is, uh, this one we're talking about inaugurated eschatology. Jesus initiated it, he set it forth, and will one day come back and rule and reign and establish it forever. But those are two different moments, and we live in the gap between them. So what do we do while we're waiting? Well, we invest ourselves, we invest our treasure, we invest our heart yeah. into the coming kingdom. So it gives us an opportunity to uh, not have idle hands and have a plan. And that's where I told you there's four choices you get to make and they're kind of overlapping. It's and that, that as we wait for the, the kingdom, we, we wait expectantly, like expecting it to come because what happens if you don't, you become indifferent and we stay alert rather than asleep or awake rather than asleep, right? Really simply keep your eyes open. You're looking for the coming kingdom. What that does is it allows us to be hopeful so when we see the pain in Afghanistan, we go, this yeah. world is not the, the world that Jesus was going to fully establish, but we're hopeful, not helpless. We don't go, well, it's all, it's all going to be terrible forever. No, no, no. Yeah. He actually gave us the keys to the kingdom so we can be hopeful and uh, instead of helpless. And so my last one was uh, we, uh, we have this call to be attentive, yeah. to be prepared, look for opportunities every single day to participate in the kingdom of heaven rather than being distracted because most of our time is spent distracted. Think about this. Think about how many of you eat at the dinner table. Your family's around and you're just clobbering that food, trying to be done with dinner because it's something's really weird about y'all just sitting there together. Like you gotta get back to your phone, you gotta get back to your computer, you gotta get back to that thing because it just feels awkward. You'd rather be distracted than attentive. And Jesus going, no, 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 no. Yeah. If you can see every single moment that's entrusted to you for the sake of the kingdom, now you get to be participatory in the kingdom right now. And so the invitation was, hey, what does it look like to actually take everything you have, yeah. all your treasure, pick it up, place it in the kingdom, and trust that your heart's going to follow that placement? Yeah. So we get to wrestle with how do we do that and what are the consequences if we don't. Yeah, and we do have a couple questions that we're going to get to um, probably a little bit on. But as we talk through this, I think you're right. Like as we talk about stewardship, right, like it's everything. It's not just your finances. It's your time, your energy, everything that you own, all of your possessions. Yeah, that word treasure is also the word yeah. we get for the source. That means like and the source is just the, it's an inventory or warehouse yeah. of words. So everything yeah. that you've been entrusted to. So I, Kids. I, I guess my question is why do we so, so often focus just specifically on our money? Like, as we talk about stewardship, like, the first thing that generally comes to mind, probably for most people, is going, my money. Yeah. But it's so much more than that. Why do we, why, why do, we do that? Or maybe some of you don't. I feel like I, 
I've grown up in church, and I still think usually it's like my money, yeah. but it's so much more than just that. Yeah, because uh, money is the tool for your treasure, right? Yeah. So money gives us power and comfort and yeah, control. that's true. So it's actually money that tricks us to believe in we're our own God. Yeah. Right? And that's why Jesus says the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Because that desire to have that, because what you view with money is what you're actually what you're viewing with the money is power, security, mm. pleasure, right? So you can take your clothes and you can go, that gives me a little bit, adds a little bit of value, value to me and gives me a little bit of security, but your clothes don't give you any power. Yeah. Right now, we have status symbols like I do, you know, like Ralph, I'm about to judge it. Although I was just walking in the cafe and somebody said I look like a prince with a sash. Yeah, it's really cute. And I told him I was yeah. waiting for that recognition. It's about yeah. time. So we think about those things. And um, so money is actually, essentially, we say faith is the key to the kingdom. Right. Well, money is the key to our treasure. Yeah, that's right. True. So it's just the way you get it. It's not yeah. all that kind of stuff. It Because it, it actually reveals what it is that our, we've placed our heart in. Money, yeah. actually, you follow the money, you see where your heart already yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. So it, it, true. it is the tool that is liquid, yeah. literally, that allows us to, to convert that thing into all the things. Yeah. Convert it into a car, convert it into a house, convert it into a safe room, yeah. convert it into, you know, our... Our warehouse has converted to stock market, converted to our retirement. Yeah. That thing is the one thing that can be converted to the things that really we, we treasure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and as we're looking at this, like this, so Jesus tells this story. I don't, I don't know if it's a parable or maybe he's just kind of giving the, uh, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be ready. And I was just thinking about that through this, and we're going to kind of go verse by verse. We'll read through this again. We always encourage you, if you haven't already listened to the Sunday morning message, start there. This is always kind of the launching pad. So we may kind of say some of the same things, but we're just kind of the idea of it. But then we're, we're trying to get to a deeper thought or a deeper level or, or, or a bigger discussion. But one of the things that was interesting is that as we're looking through this, Jesus is talking about this idea of preparedness, right? And, and one of the things that I thought of is that you don't actually accidentally be prepared, right? So Jesus is telling his people, he, he, those that want to follow him to be ready. And he gives this story. Yeah. Is there anything more in that, that I don't know, because uh, I, in my mind, I go to, I did the Christian church version of Boy Scouts, right? And their their motto was like, be ready for anything, workplace, serve, uh, live, wor- worship. Was that Royal Ambassadors? It was is Royal that, Rangers. Oh, that was Royal Ambassadors. Uh, so same thing, I mean, yours was Baptist, a, a pledge, Pentecostal, yeah. yeah. So this whole idea so of So you got snakes, is what that means. I didn't get snakes. You got to have a snake in your bag. Yeah, sorry about that. It was, if you don't know what we're talking about, that's okay. It's, mm. it's deep. Yeah. Christian thoughts. Anyway, uh, not deep Christian thoughts. It's more like we both got long denim skirts. Yes, we we did. <laughs> I didn't, but hard mm. denominations did. But as we talk through that, like so, there's this. I don't want to overemphasize this necessity to be prepared for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and even as you talked about like Y2K, I remember what that was like in my household as oh, really? some yeah, preparation yeah. for that. And I felt the same what thing you did. What a letdown! I remember the countdown, and it was like. <gasps> The world is over. Uh, you were like probably in middle school, high school. I was. I had to be middle school. Uh, yeah. I, I wasn't high school yet, and I remember being like staying up just to see the end of the world, and then the lights were still on, and I was like, "I'm going to bed." I was staring. At, I had a computer in my bedroom, and I was staring at it. I was just watching, going, "This thing's about to explode." I mean, I was like a good, you know, two feet away from him, just staring at the monitor, going, "Come on, explode, catch on fire, something, I, nothing." I was expecting at very least yeah. the power to go out, yeah. and it didn't even do that. So, 
But so how much does this idea of we need to be prepared versus we need to place our trust and our hope in him. And it's not about being prepared, but just having made a decision. Yeah. So I, I don't know this about us having all of our ducks in a row. Being yeah. Prepared. So um, the way that I view it, and this is Tony Campolo, which um, uh, boy, I, I used to love a ton of his writing. It gets a little, what I would say, unbiblical in the, in the, in the last decade or mm. five years or so. But um in one of the books he wrote with Brian McLaren, another guy that I think has just lost sight of Jesus as Savior and Lord, right? Mm. But um, they wrote a book called Adventures in Missing the Point. Yep. Interesting book. And uh, in it, they kind of take turns taking on hot button issues and talking yeah, about it. Yeah, but they yeah. start the book, Tony Campolo starts the book, and I've shared this before, explaining this marathon and this race of these. Imagine you're sitting on your porch, everybody's watching this race take off, and yeah. everybody's lined up, and then they shoot the. And gun for me to take off, and they all like all the people take off and and cross the starting line. Yeah, they stop and just start celebrating, and all the people out in the on the on their porches start going, yeah, yeah, and they go, we're race runners, we're race runners, yeah, yeah, you're race runners, and there's like this huge celebration, and Tony just draws a really good point of going, how ridiculous would that be? Yeah, and yet that's what we've done in the church. We've we've pointed to this moment of salvation, Hmm. pray the prayer. And then all of a sudden, and we'll then talk about the theology of once yeah. saved, always saved, or perseverance to the saints, right? That once you pray this prayer, you are you are in heaven. But you're not in heaven yet, so you go, what do I do now? Well, I'm, So we celebrate what is really the starting point of the kingdom, not the finish line of the kingdom. It's the starting point that our eyes are open, and now we get to be in the kingdom. And so where we've really messed up in the modern church, or, you know, by modern, I mean last 50 years, right? We're kind of in a postmodern world now. But in the modern world is that we drove everything about our churches, everything to this this one moment. Yeah, like even yeah. think about Billy Graham, uh, you know, crusades. Beautiful yeah. things, but there was just this one emotional moment you're singing just as i am you're going and while i wouldn't say billy graham I was like that's it yeah. we kind of viewed it we kind of viewed it in the church as walk down the aisle pray the prayer right. shake the hands and now you're in right. the club and that was kind of like the pinnacle moment right. right but what when we think about this where it says you know stay dressed for action what it literally i think is jesus is communicating is that idea that this is the starting line yeah. not the finish line so inaugurated eschatology Jesus has came and shot the gun. Yeah. And now the kingdom is coming, right? But we are on this marathon, and we have to stay dressed for it and participate in it. So it really is this reminder that we have not gotten to our final destination. We have not gotten to arrival. It is, I mean, think about it. We go back two weeks. This is still the same message that Jesus is teaching. Right. He, this guy goes, finally, I can eat, drink, and be right. merry and relax. And he goes, you fool, right? <laughs> finally, this guy has come to a point with all of his security that he has made it to the finish line. Yeah. And so what Jesus is saying to us is there is work to be done and you get to participate in it. So the nice thing is you don't have to like spend years, you know, gathering all the resources, right? As I told you a couple of weeks back, like the definition of contentment is if God hasn't given it to you yet, you don't need it. That doesn't mean you need to go grab it and prepare it. But the flip side of that same definition is if he's given it to us. That would mean that he wants us to use it for the coming kingdom now. So this whole idea of being dressed and ready is a reminder that it is we're yeah. it's still game on. Yeah. And we are looking for opportunities for the coming kingdom. Now yeah. in a philosophical sense, there'd be some scholars that go, there's a there's kind of a layer uh, below this layer of Jesus talking about his you know, second return. Yeah. Well we all believe I, I would say those with you know uh 
Christian orthodoxy and, you know, like a, a pretty good handle on the inerrant word as it being that, would say, no, he is pointing to a day where he's going to rule and reign. Mm. There are some uh, uh, scholars who would say, this is actually much more detailed and this isn't you are prepared for when Jesus comes back. It's that Jesus is actually, in his through his spirit, is revealing these things to us each and every day. Yeah, yeah. So there is a different level of awareness. Now, when you read this, it's going, that would be kind of a hard leap. He seems to be talking about the owner coming back one day, yeah, right? right? So, But at the same time, I do think it does lead us to the spot where even though he hasn't come back yet, yeah. he's definitely left us some instructions on yeah. how we're supposed to participate. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we are supposed to be ready yeah. with our weapons, all of our treasure, to participate in the kingdom. Yeah, I felt like that was one of the things that I was thinking on Sunday as I was listening to the message. That's very much what I felt like. Man, I feel like that is what God has called many times. It seems like it's in a moment, like I'm planning on doing this, but all of a sudden this is an opportunity and I need to be agile and ready and prepared, like it, it's not even prepared like, okay, I've planned out every detail, but it's just going, I can help, so why don't I help? Like, yeah. I, I even thought of some of our like community partners where like, um, so Love Lincoln University just had their move-in day. Um, we don't get a ton of details in a, you know, a ton of time. It was a little overwhelming. Is, we weren't able yeah. to repair. And we're like, what? We gotta, We need to yeah. have all of our order and systems so we communicate it well. But I feel like there's something beautiful in just going, yes, we'll show up. Yeah. Like, what? yeah, we're we're there. Like, that agility and that flexibility to be able to just show up is, is really good. I yeah, do, so we're seeing that a I little bit. I do want to answer yeah. LK's okay, question really quick. The name of that book was, I think it was a Adventures and missing, missing the Point. Yeah. Okay, if you're interested in it, I will put it on my desk in the office yeah. uh, tomorrow when I come in. So, swing, uh, Actually, I'll bring it tonight uh, for session. If you yeah. want it, you can have it. I haven't read it in a decade, but it's interesting. It's yeah. also there's some interesting points. What's interesting is he's actually changed his views from the ones he wrote about. At times, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, go yeah, back so, to Yeah, so, you know, what's like interesting is that is what I, I think one of the evidences that the kingdom is here and still continuing to come is... We've started responding more that way. So we're yeah. trying to figure out, and then one of the questions is, through the Holy Spirit, it's like, yeah, I can try yeah. to explain that, but that's a hard one to explain. But there is these promptings. Like, for example, we're going to do this night of worship and prayer on September 1st. Yeah. Like, we were literally were just, and Megan uh, Graf was kind of the visionary for it, kind of leading it, but she was just sharing our staff today, hey, I know this feels uncomfortable, and she's a person who likes order and planning, and she's going, it's uncomfortable with me too, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, just get going and yeah. that he'll make it happen. And so there is something about looking for in this readiness mm. and dress for action that you're going, I'm, I woke up dressed for whatever the day brings me. So okay. God, what is, and honestly, I mean, it could have as, I mean, as literal implications as I didn't wear sandals today because I wanted to be prepared for whether or not I need to help a person push their car. Yeah, right? right. Or, Hey, I now have a, a battery jump starter in my yeah. car to be ready for someone with their power or when they yeah. the, the, the battery goes dead or hey I cleaned out my car just in case I see someone walking down the road I can't tell you how many times I've gone I should probably help them there's not a single spot in my car to be able to do anything right yeah. and so even some of those things yeah. of just preparing ourselves in each and every day of going where am I going to see the Holy Spirit point my attention to yeah. get to work so yeah. and I, I feel like even uh, even just the idea of thinking through that, like, I feel like 
what happens is if I'm mindful before that, I tend to see God moving and at work because I'm a little bit more attentive to it, yeah. right? Like I'm just paying attention to it. Uh, I do want to, you had just mentioned kind of this question. One of the questions that was asked said this, it says, on Sunday, Josh used the phrase through the Holy Spirit several times, the work of the church in the world, behind the sinner's prayer, transformation of heart, etc." Can you talk a little bit more about how the Holy Spirit enables us in these kinds of activities? I'll try to. (laughs) Um, So even in Corinthians, and um, one of the things that we notice is that even if we have the ability to call upon the name of the Lord, it's not our own work, right? Uh, It's just not in our DNA, in our flesh, to be able to lean fully into God and call Him Lord and surrender. Like you can look around the world and go, why in the world... Are they not doing that? But I can. Like, it's not that we're extra special. But somehow, God in his great grace to us has given us this gift of a spirit to initiate that deal. And so let's go back to the thought of, yeah, we're race runners, the starting line versus the finish line. It literally is the Holy Spirit that shoots that gun, that prompts that initiation. Now, imagine this. This Holy Spirit is initiating this moment, right, for your eyes to finally be open and start living in the coming kingdom. Mm. But you and I know we're not actually capable of doing those things, right? This is why Paul writes the very things I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things that I don't want to, that I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things I do want to do, I don't end up doing, right? And I'm changing the words so I don't say do do, you know, like it's so hard in that. But like, even Paul's going, there is something about my flesh in this, and so here's the beauty: God is saying His kingdom is coming, and it's been initiated, and He will one day return, and He'll rule and reign, and He is telling us so beautiful that he's going to underwrite that that time in yeah. between the initiation, the inauguration, and the, and the consummation, as we talked about it, that coming kingdom and all of its glory. Well, how does he underwrite that entire time period? Why can he, why can he guarantee that? Well, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is actually at work underwriting all these things. Like mm-hmm. I was telling our team, I'm not typically one, I, I got all sorts of body issues, sciatic issues, all those kind of things. And it's better now than it's been in, you know, several years. But even like moving for a long period of time, like I still, I, like if I cut grass, I just got to cut the front yard, take a ball, then cut the mm-hmm. backyard later because it's just, there's just some pain that comes up. And I was, I was able to really participate at Lincoln for, you know, several hours, three plus hours. And the whole time I just was filled with joy, right? And I was like, this is like, you're asking what filled my cup is actually serving. Like I was saying, it was like endorphin producing. It was serving those folks. And you go, well, how in the world does that happen that way? Well, it's not me, right? I don't, I'm lazy. I don't want to do those things. But there's something about the Holy Spirit empowering it and doing those things. So uh, uh, if anything good's happening through me at this point in my life, if anything good happens at all, just like that, I have now come to the conclusion that it's actually not me, but it's the Spirit working in me, mm-hmm. but at the same time making me more like Christ. And so the Holy Spirit we don't, is involved in every action within the church. Mm-hmm. So from the prayer to the service to that first time you sign a check and go, God, I'm going to trust you with it. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is underwriting the blessing? Yeah. Who do you think is, you know, preparing those things? Like even here, we, we, we hold 
stewardship at a very high value. We understand that each of you have worked so hard and been entrusted by God through hard work with your money. When you decide to write a check, we, in my opinion, that is the second biggest spiritual decision you will ever make. First one is Holy Spirit leading you to trust the Lord and call him Lord and Savior, right? The second one is going, when our eyes are open and go, this is not my money, this is God's money, right? When that happens, we understand and we so value your courage and we go, we want to be a good steward of every penny, but it's not actually us who stewards this. We have to open our eyes and go, no, the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. So we have to go, where is the Holy Spirit pointing us to in the stewardship of it? Is it in uh, serving our community? Is it in trying to figure out better ways to communicate his word? Well, we just got to walk and step with that. And so um, when I talk about the whole, through the Holy Spirit, I just want to make sure that we are not taking credit for something yeah. we are I'm not taking credit for something I don't deserve mm-hmm. because it's actually the Holy Spirit doing the work in you and yeah. you might go I'm not so sure about that and I'm going ah this is the place to be attentive and awake and not asleep not yeah. distracted look at that and see the transformation in your joy and your peace and go where does that come from well Jesus actually tells us where that comes from he actually tells us very clearly that the evidence of your patience and your peace and your joy is actually a fruit of the spirit in you and so what's being produced in you is actually coming from the spirit and so i would just challenge you to go when it when jesus is saying open your eyes i think he wants you to see the holy spirit at work and going the holy spirit worked in this and the holy spirit gave me the ability to see him and worship him and call him lord then it would make sense the holy spirit would also give me the uh the faith and the power and the courage to go and continue to participate in this work. So this whole passage is on how do you become a good steward of what God's entrusted with you? And the answer is, well, you become a good steward through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I do want to jump into the text and we'll just kind of go through. Please stop me if you've got any thoughts or anything more that you wanted to share. Um, But we were in Luke chapter 12 verses. We started in 34 kind of as a recap from last week, um, which is just that last uh, the paragraph there in 34, the last sentence says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And maybe even, so I just said we were going to read the scripture, but pause. You really wanted to emphasize, because that was last week's scripture, but yeah. you really wanted to bring that back into this week. What Was there a reason, anything deeper that you wanted to talk about or just really wanted to make sure that we understood the point? Well, I think it's pragmatically, it's going, yeah. I don't know how to get my heart right. Yeah. Like, oh man, like we all struggle with this, like this flesh that wants what we want and we keep going back to our own security and keep on the thing and you and I recognize that our hearts play the hokey pokey, right? We yeah. put in going, yeah, this week, last Sunday, I'm all in. Then by Tuesday, you're going, oh man, yeah. I'm not even gonna be honest about my W-2s and my taxes. There ain't no way I'm trusting the church with my money. Like I need all this and you've, you have, you have calculated and did the budget and going, I don't know how this happens. And all of a sudden your heart kind of pulls away. And that is just the ebb and flow of our flesh. And so I'm going, the only solution to that, what it seems to imply is the way that you can get your heart fully in the kingdom. There's just one way. You want to pick up your heart and place it fully in the kingdom? Jesus says it's tied to your treasure. Mm -hmm. So the simplest and most efficient way to get your heart, your essence in the kingdom is put your stuff in there first. So the challenge is, look, Jesus wants all of you. You will not regret giving Jesus all of you. But if that's really, really hard for you and you can't actually, like let's imagine the kingdom is like you're on a ledge with like a bungee cord rope and going, I think the kingdom's going to catch you, but I'm not sure. And you, uh, like I'm not ready to jump, I'm not ready to jump. Now imagine on your other leg is tied your car, right? Or (laughs) something really heavy. And then imagine that being pulled off. Once it goes over the ledge, guess what's going with it, right? 
You are. And so, therefore, it's going, well, that's kind of a bad analogy. Hopefully, the bungee cord's stronger than the, and the, the connection to the car. That seems, Actually, that's a terrible analogy because it would rip you apart. But you, you get the point that yeah. whatever your treasure is, yeah. treasure right. that weighs about a little bit less than you, that can still right. pull you over the side. Right. Sorry, right. with inertia. No, that's good. LK has a doctor in physics. He can explain inertia <laughs> as it relates to treasure. So, LK, if you want to mention yeah. anything in the chat about inertia, you're welcome to. Um, so, going then into 35. So, it's uh, this is what it says. Stay dressed. And this is Jesus' words here um, because they're in red. This is what he's speaking. He says, stay, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their masters to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door uh, yeah. to him at once uh, when he comes back and knocks. So in verse 35, it says, stay dressed for action. If you have a KJV, I love this. It says, gird up your loins. Does it say gird up your loins? Gird up your okay. loins. And so... Which is really interesting because, you know, your loins are kind of your private area, right? Yeah. But what it's really implying is you're in a long skirt yeah. and you rotate it all up and tie it up in a bunch it's, so you don't trip. It's diaper, right? Yeah, yeah, so you don't trip over your man skirt, right? Yeah. And so, um, so when he's saying this, he's literally going, no, no, no. This is going to feel awkward. Yeah. This is going to feel a little bit weird and it's going to be a little bit strange. But I want you to show people your knees. And I was thinking about this today because we were sitting next to each other during staff meeting. And I was looking down and I was like, I think, I mean, I, I see a foot of my thighs when I sit down. And you got these these capri pants on and I don't see anything, <laughs> they're, right? They're, they're real shorts. So they're, they're not short shorts. They're capri pants. And somebody, like, it was so undignified to show off your knees in that culture. And so Jesus is going... Thanks you should get a little bit undignified in this. Like, no, 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 no. This is going to be a little uncomfortable. So I'm telling you to put your treasure in it. And the first treasure you can put in there is your reputation and your identity. Mm. Gird up those loins. <laughs> That's what he's saying. That's good. So you can imagine people going, what is he talking about, right? So uh, it's pretty funny to think about. That is pretty yeah. funny to talk about. So uh, in your example, like, I thought you used a great analogy. And even kind of talking about a little bit of what's happening in Afghanistan right now, like just the challenge. But talked about kind of uh, a soldier being ready for war, sleeping with boots on. Um, and, and I feel like just bringing up that analogy in the news in light of what's happening in Afghanistan, um, just kind of had to talk about that. Yeah. I don't know if there was anything more you wanted to talk about there or just even simply put that analogy of, of kind of sleeping with your boots on, being prepared. Yeah. For them, it's being prepared for battle any moment yeah. because you're, not, you're never off. You're never done. If you're in, yeah. in, an, in a war zone, it, it's not like you go, okay, from this time to this time, we're going to take a break. Yeah, so this is all sort of I can say. My heart just is so heavy. I know yeah. many of yours are too. We spent an extended time in prayer, and it was pretty emotional. Just, you know, you got staff who sent their husbands yeah. over there yeah. and wonder if they're going to come back, holding kids on, I think about Molly, with yeah. kids on each hip, and they'll see in the mess there. I interacted with families here. That yeah. Literally, Ben Lewis is one that just got sent. Yeah. Right. He just got deployed there. And we're going, Lord, would you just please protect? And I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine my kids going over there, right? Yeah. And thankful in so many ways. But also, it's just, and then some of you have flashbacks to even Vietnam stuff. It's mm-hmm. just a mess, guys. And so, it, just want you to know, and we're praying. If there's anyone we can support you, you can just go sit with you. Yeah. Like, please, if you're rushing through any of the stuff or just the pain of it, or you're a soldier who's come back, like, yeah. please don't go through this alone. And we'd love to, oh, man, I'd be happy to sit and chat with you, hear your thoughts, and understand them better, because I don't. I don't have that experience, right? But mm. So you got all that. Now, then you got the actual soldier piece, which is, I mean, I, like, literally, Dave and Molly, my player, are in my small group. And yeah. so Dave was in, I mean, 
had horrific experiences, saw horrific things yeah. in the middle of Afghanistan. And literally, they would patrol and care for things during the day and the Taliban at night. I mean, just the worst of the worst. And yeah. it got even more complicated of if you interacted with, you know, Afghan uh, Afghanistan Muslims. families, then the Taliban would hear about that and mm. punish them for it. So there's all sorts of complications. And so they understood at night it was just... I mean, it was a war zone. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine. He says, you know, poppies would be, like, the most beautiful countryside in the middle of the worst warfare. And he would say every night, he'd literally get to sleep with a gun on his chest mm. because at any point he could be awakened. And right. Yeah. And so so I don't want us to, like, have this massive honored Christian soldiers yeah, we right. got to slay. I'm not saying let's go slay. That's like, like grab our swords and fight. Because right, right. even when Paul gives us in Ephesians, like, the... The you know he tells us to put on all the armor. Yeah. Then he says, "Stand firm and pray." Yeah, right? right, not like don't swing, just stand firm and pray. Right, and so there is something about standing firm and praying. But what I did, what I did think about in terms of that imagery was just the immediate response to the stimuli. Yeah, right. And so Victor Frankl talks about the space that needs to happen between stimuli and response. You can mm-hmm. learn so much in how you, what happens if you can pause and take a deep breath or whatever, and actually calculate your response. Mm-hmm. What I am saying here is, what would it look like? to calculate your response before the stimuli. Yeah. Not at like go and go. Okay, God, today there's going to be some stimuli. There's going to be this poking and this prodding from your spirit. I am telling you now, I'm looking in the mirror, I am telling you that I'm dressed and ready. Whatever mm. you tell me to do, I will do. Mm. Right? It's actually waking up in your day, preparing yourself yeah. for whatever that stimuli is going to be. So those soldiers knew that something could come, stay yeah. your boots on, that kind of stuff. They had already said, they'd already been prepared for, they'd already been trained that when that stimuli happened, there was a response. Yeah. It was already premeditated, pre-calculated. And so when he says, stay dressed for action, like this is a warfare term of going, no, no, no. You have to be ready at all times, ready at all times. And what you're saying, as you view life, as you walk it right away, because Holy Spirit, I think you'll prompt me. And if you'll prompt me, I am going to follow you in this. And so be ready. Keep your light on, meaning, Holy Spirit, if you point that direction, I'm taking my light into that darkness. Holy Spirit, if you point me in that direction, I'm taking my light, my money, my resources into that place. And so, so much of this is about premeditatively preparing you for the coming kingdom in the way that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to you. And I just wonder... If you're going, well, I have never really had that experience, we're not having, and we're not having it much. Yeah, right. I wonder if it's because we haven't prepared ahead of time. Hmm. I wonder if we haven't said, "I'm staying in my clothes." Yeah. I'm like, and like literally, like I just said, I'm wearing tennis shoes today because I'm expecting you to put some hmm. way that I can physically help them. Yeah. Right. I am taking cash with me today because yeah. I'm expecting to see a sign of a family that needs some help. Like, so when we think about this, the way that I want us to view it is that there's something that happens ahead of time, this preparedness yeah. of going, I am already saying yes to you, Jesus. I just don't know what the question is yet. Yeah, right, right. right. So that's, that's helpful. Yeah. And I will preach right As we get to 36, um, kind of the imagery changes. So like yeah. sleeping with boots on, kind of yeah. we can understand that being ready. It says, be like men waiting for their masters to come home from a wedding feast so that they may open the door. Um, to him at once, uh, to him at once, when he comes and knocks. Blessed are the servants whose masters find them awake when he comes. Uh, and then he says, truly, I say he will be dressed. Uh, he will dress himself for service and have the uh, have them recline at the table, and then he will come and serve them. So, yeah. what what is this imagery like? This picture here, because this isn't something I don't have. You know, people that I'm going home to, or I'm waiting for somebody to come home to. To serve them, what does that that picture of feasts maybe look like, or what is ultimately what he's saying in that? 
Yeah, so there's lots to think about here. One of the things I was thinking about specifically is the imagery of mealtimes. Yeah. Throughout Scripture, right? Got Lord's Supper, you got Passover feast. Yeah. But the two that are really, really beautiful are that, I mean, it's devastating, but the first time food is seen eaten in, in the, the fruit, but, you know, like in, in the tree, but it says, and God walked in the garden all night. So what I just right. kind of imagine, I've communicated this, it's been years, but this idea that God was with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night, you know what you do in the cool of the night? Hmm. You're done work, that's when you eat, right? Hmm. So this idea that they were eating together, but then Adam and Eve chose a different plan and essentially yeah. got dismissed from God's table, yeah. right? Dismissed from God's table, dismissed from God's table. And so uh, then what's so beautiful, you go, how in the world, do, how do I find it? So everybody's looking, to, you know, the Garden of Eden gets closed up. We can't find heaven. They're looking forever and trying to figure out what they can do to get back in heaven, build the towers, whatever it is, and they cannot find dinner time and meal time with God anymore, like literally, right? And so they have these moments, these small pictures, like the Passover feast where they God shows up in this yeah. significant way and then they get to do it every year as a reminder that God still loves them. Even though they can't literally eat with him, he sees them eating in his around them, right? There's just yeah. something so beautiful about that, right? And even go to the New Testament where you think about when God reinstates this, it now shows them breaking bread together, yeah. holding everything in common. Us getting to have communion, meaning we get to commune with God. So there's all these different things. And so if you think about it, inaugurated eschatology it's we now get to eat with god again yeah. that's what the lord's supper tells us but it it's figurative not literal i mean it's kind of literal but it's not like jesus shows up at our table his presence is there but we can't literally see him so when you think about this they must go all the way down and jesus says that one day he'll come back one day i'll have that experience my son's calling me one day i'll we'll, we'll see all that and he will come and rule and reign and what he says is the way that we get to experience him he tells it to the church in you know laodicea actually he goes behold i stand at the door and knock yeah. and if anyone will open i will come in and dine with him meaning yeah, yeah, yeah. he will restore that perfect relationship relationship and this is what's so profound we got dismissed from the table hmm. or how do we get back to the table Jesus yeah. brings the table with him right yeah. like he's literally no 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 I got the glasses I got the bread open the door and so yeah. we still like that's different imagery later but in this imagery you see it again Jesus is going to show up and there's going to be a meal yeah. right and so that the, the response here it is again remember Jesus I'm ready whatever you say I'll do what's the what's the stimuli yeah. There's a knock. What's the response? Oh, I've been waiting for this. And like, how many times have someone said, I came and knocked on your door, but no one opened? And yeah. it's like, well, I was avoiding you. Or I didn't hear, <laughs> I was asleep, whatever else it is. And yeah. it's going, Jesus comes and knocks. So we actually see in this picture, he says, if you're dressed and ready, if you're prepared, what happens is I knock on the door and you open the door. Yeah. And every time you open the door, there is communion between I and you. And so... So I love the scriptures and think you should read them and continue to go to a place where we open up the scriptures, wherever that is, and just talk about what Jesus is showing us in them. But there's something beautiful that we literally see that this is the way that the master comes back and yeah. gets to celebrate together. Yeah. So he comes back. He's just had his own party, right? So you think about this. He went to his own thing, and then we came back and brought the stuff back with him. And now we get to do it by serving him and serving yeah. his calling. And so really it's still the same thing of premeditatively saying, whenever you knock open the door yeah. whenever you knock I'll open the door and you go well, what if it's not him whenever I think you knock I'm gonna open the door yeah right because blessed are the pure in heart they'll say God whenever I think it's your prompting I'm just gonna do that what if it's not him? whenever I think it is yeah. whenever I feel like it is whenever I think it might possibly I'm gonna try to respond in that way because you say blessed are the pure in heart and they will see you so yeah. I'm gonna see you in this regardless so it's just this responsiveness that you have said yes ahead of time yeah. to the question that you haven't heard God ask you 
And, and then in verse 39, he, things kind of shift a little bit here. But in 38, kind of the response, if we can be prepared, if we can be ready, says, yeah. if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So there's a blessing there that we can receive, that we can get by being ready. Yeah, so it's so messed up. Like, I mean, I really thought about it. Why in the world there's so much infatuation with the end times? Like, like trying to predict when Jesus is going to come. Yeah, right, right. And, and I'm convinced. I think it's because of stewardship, and we don't want to waste our efforts okay. if he hasn't come yet. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not fully ready. To, like, literally, it's procrastination. Okay. Right? It's the same reason that you didn't write the papers when you were supposed to. You wrote the paper the morning of the day they were due. Yeah, right. Right? There's right. just something about that hard deadline that we think will finally motivate us. Yeah. So if we can know when Jesus is coming, finally that will be enough motivation to get our hearts right. And when yeah. Jesus is saying this, that's the wrong way to get motivated. You want yeah. the right way to get motivated. Pick up your treasure and put it in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's just the same thing. And they're going, well, I waited up from 6 to 9 p.m. I thought for sure you were coming then. First watch, right? Yeah. I even stayed up during the second watch, you know, 9 to 12. But you know what? At that point, I'm, I'm assuming the master's drunk and passed out on the couch somewhere, and he's not going to show up. So I, I went and took care of myself, right? Instead yeah. of going, Jesus is going, no, no, no. The idea isn't that you predict when Jesus comes. The idea is... You assume that he's going to provide a stimulus. He's going to knock mm. at any given time, and you've already said yes to that. Yeah. So he's gone. This is so so simple and yet so profound of how much time we spend trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come so that we can get the motivation to do what he says. Yeah. And instead of just saying, we start with saying that we're going to do what he says. Yeah, right. So. Right. I think that's important. I, it's good to clarify, okay, where's my heart yeah. really in this? Am I trying to wait to the last minute, or do I just want to submit my heart fully to him? So continuing on, 39 says, uh, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Yeah, so this is confusing, and there's lots yeah. of debate over it. It certainly seems like he's changing yeah. the thing. And this is really important, I think, because uh, I think it shows some agency, meaning some personal ownership, yeah. right? The first is servant's duty, servant's duty, servant's duty, yeah. and then even the servant can't do it. And you're going, well, are you saying that I just have to sit and serve all the time? And he goes, no, no, listen, here's the deal. If you knew that someone's coming at a certain time, you would always be prepared for it, right? right? And right. so that's actually what we're doing all the time. We're saying we have some agency and we would choose this right. if you could just tell us exactly when it's going to be. <laughs> right. But since you can't tell us who it's going to be, you know, we're going to have idle hands. We're going to live distracted. We're going to live indifferent. So Jesus is going, see, even the owners would be prepared. Yeah. In that moment, if they knew something was coming, if they knew a stimulus was coming, right? Yeah. A stimuli, whatever it is, right? If they knew it was coming. And so he's just going, see, this isn't, this isn't like this crazy expectation. If I tell you something's coming, and I can tell you exactly when it is, you would show up ready. Yeah. And he's just going, I want you to live that way always. Yeah. Because the coming kingdom is showing up over and over and over and over again every right. single moment. And so he is saying, we should always be expecting on that. Yeah. So we have some agency, but our... Freedom in that is to always be ready to participate in the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to f verse 41, Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? <laughs> yeah, so this is where it's helpful if you read it in its entirety. Because for the last 10, 11 weeks, we've seen Jesus go back and forth right. between the religious folks and the thing. Right. And so this is really neat. Because I think this time Jesus is actually, like this is like a, 
uh, equal uh, equal opportunity offense. Right, right. That he's going, no, 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 no. This will, let me help you understand. You don't know who I'm talking to. And he doesn't answer it specifically. No, he answers but he does question, go, right? yeah. okay, are you the good steward or the bad steward? Yeah. Because it's kind of for both of you. But I'm, at this point, it certainly seems like he is directing his energy and his time to uh, afflict yeah. the laziness and the comfort of the poor steward. Hmm. So, yes, yeah. Yeah, so, and then, so Jesus answers, it says, who then is, is faithful and wise? Uh, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Who, uh, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? And so, it, and it ends yeah. with a question mark and continuing on 43. Blessed is that servant yeah. whom his master will find so doing when he, uh, when he comes. Yeah, so let me go back to verse 42. Okay. Uh, and just, I'm glad you joined us. You kind of do get a little bit more of a sneak peek. Um, I rewrote this material hmm. sitting right there. Um, okay. on, I'm right, there's a couch in the back. Yeah, side behind you, there's yeah. a couch. Yeah. You can't see it. Uh, on Sunday morning. Okay. So I was reading back through going, God, I think that's what you want me to say. And I'm going back through my notes. And for some reason, that word portion of food jumped out for the first time. Okay. And I remember being astonished and going, what? I've been reading this, working through it, reading the scholars, you know, going back to the Greek, whatever. And for the first time here, that word portion of food was just like big, yeah. flashing one. Okay. And so this one was, I honestly think this is stimula, yeah. uh, you know, stimulus from Holy Spirit going, no, 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 Josh. You said you'd be ready. This is what I want you to talk about. And going, oh, goodness, not prepared for this. So okay. this was more ad hoc extemporaneous. Mm, okay. So that part probably got pretty offensive and pretty direct. And we talked about poverty and all those different things. Yeah. None of that's in my notes. <laughs> None of it's in my notes. And in fact, all that's in my note is food, eat, how, world. That's it. Going, because for the first time, it certainly seems like the faithful and wise manager, the master puts over the household and they are responsible for giving the portion of food at the proper time. So for the first time, I thought, God is being clear about our role hmm. in poverty across the world. Hmm. Because in the, the Western sense is, well, we work hard, we have stuff, they're yeah. lazy, they don't. Yeah. Like it's really that binary and that broken, right? And in this, it might be, you're making an assessment that they're not very good at uh, you know, their portions, right? Or rationing their stuff. The word ration means, you know, they're, they're not good at those things, right? They don't they don't know how. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get their paycheck and they go spend it all at Golden Corral. Whatever, you know, like, and I'm and I'm saying that in jest. I've yeah. heard people say that crap, right? Okay. And so, like, those are, that's, that's a real opinion that people have of people who manage their money poorly, mm-hmm. manage their portions poorly, right? But as I was reading this, I'm like, I've never seen this before, that he says he will set that person, that one who's ready and prepared, mm-hmm. to administer... Food at the right portions at the right time. Yeah. Meaning, those of us who have more than we need, that want to be good stewards, the purpose of the more than we need is to actually administer the portions. Mm. There is a, an expectation of administration in this and a preparation that administers this, this because we have an abundance of things. That's why I said, you know, 10% tithe from just the Christians in America would solve poverty. Yeah. As long as there is a group and organization that figure out a way to administer that right. to the people. Right. Which is what the local church is for. So our church should be involved in this. Our serving some that is. So some of you are going, I am passionate about this. I'm going, raise your hand. Yeah, right. Let's figure out how to help you identify people that need food. And let's figure out a way, yeah. if he's trusted us, this is literal to me, 
So it's just like, we have a burden of responsibility. If God has entrusted it to us, he literally has told us why. Who then is faithful and wise manager? Who is it? Then he tells us the type of people that are faithful and wise managers. Whom uh, his master will set over his household. Okay, the faithful and wise one is the one they set over the household. Two, very specific reason. There's a reason he sets it over the household. To give them their portion of food at the proper time. I don't know how I've missed that my entire life, but there is a burden of responsibility, which makes sense, that our treasure goes in portions to meet the needs of the people who don't have it, regardless of whether or not they mismanaged it. Yeah. Right. So anyway, some things to think about there. That, oh, oh, what yeah. Is, you know. I feel like my thought as I'm I'm hearing that and kind of working through it in my mind is that I I think yeah it doesn't mean to I think with that last part that you said is so important of going it's not that that person whoever it's not a position of well I, I've got all this money and I'm more superior so God has called me to be a steward and clearly you haven't been yeah. so I'm gonna go ahead and portion this amount of money to you yeah. for that like it's not no it's not like. It's not Nazi rations, yeah. German rations. This isn't control. Yeah. This is generosity as a result yeah. of God has given us more than we need. And the reason is so that we can divide it up in portions and give it out. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I, and I feel like I'm thinking of like just sporting missionaries. Yeah. Like that. that's yeah. a way to be able to do that. It's not, yeah. hey, I'm better than you. It's going, no, I'm partnering with you to be able to reach a people group that I wouldn't be able yeah. to. And so then that's where it goes to the next verse. Blessed is yeah. that servant whom his master will find doing so when he becomes. So yeah. there is happiness and joy to be had in that. I experienced it. Yeah. I, I have the ability to lift heavy things right now. Yeah. Not everybody does, right? And there are so many folks literally sitting in the back of their vans, breathing heavy, yeah. connected to oxygen, going like grandparents yeah. trying to get their kids going, thank you so much. And I'm going, right. God's given me the ability to do this. Like right. I'm not right. a Clydesdale right now. I can walk up <laughs> steps. Praise God. I should portion this energy to help yeah. those who don't have it right now. So, I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's literal application. He says there's joy that comes from it. And this is why I just thought it was important before we get to the questions and then we got to yeah. get there. This is why I thought it was important that we highlight. That's why I give it to this church. Yeah. And it literally is. It's going, well, this church is going to take these funds and use it to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Yeah. Both right here. That's why God's given us 67 acres. Let's figure out how to use it, right? right. And why I support our strategic partners. Right. Right. Because it has a little bit bigger reach for a very specific things that God's entrusted to me. Right. If it's food, there's, uh, you know, right now Lighthouse is trying to feed people in, in, in inner city Oxford, right? Yeah. So you think about Tamani meeting the needs in Kenya. You think about Urban Promise meeting the needs in urban Wilmington. Think about... Uh, uh, El Centro, right, right in the middle of Guatemala City, yeah. serving students, right? And so there's things that go, yep, that's why I serve, uh, literally why we give every month to Compassion International because yeah. Jesus and his family does not have enough food. Right. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they mismanaged it. Right. It's because of how our system and our world is broken. Right. So how do we do that? Well, there's we take our stuff and we put our treasure in it and our heart follows it. Yeah. So, uh, LK had just yeah. made a comment. He said, you might want to let might want to go over that next Sunday, not obvious to grasp. Um, I think it's probably in reference to what we were just yeah. talking okay. about. Thanks, so, um, good feedback there. So um, I do want to get to a question, just looking at the time, maybe um, let me quickly read through the last four verses. Yeah. So I'm just going to skim through this. We'll get to the question and then yeah. any other thoughts that you have. It says this. So verse 44 of chapter 12, it says, Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master's delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. 
faithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did not des- uh, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, yeah. they will demand the more. Yeah, devastating passage. Yeah, devastating. It's, it's a so scary passage. Of going, Man, I. But let I me let me frame it this way. Uh, one, this is a parable. Jesus is giving them a specific understanding that they would have already known. Yeah. So this would have been cultural for them. Yep. The master is in charge. If that servant is bringing pain to those servants, yeah. he's not of help. Right. He is actually a poison and a cancer and right, toxic. Right. So what do you do? You get rid of him. Now, how do you do it in a way that makes sure no one else does it? You make an example of him. Yeah. Right? And so Jesus is literally not saying, my daddy's going to cut you in pieces. He is speaking to all these people who have a framework for what first century slavery and servanthood to the master look like. Yeah. Right? And so we can go back to the 1800s and go, Imagine how masters treated their slaves. Yeah. It's horrific. But everybody would have had a framework of going, if he's telling a parable to help us understand, he's literally taking something that's literally happening. Yeah. There are servants put in charge. If they take advantage of what they shouldn't, they will be destroyed Yeah, because they're doing damage. And let me just help you this way. And I'm not saying you should feel this way. I'm just saying you probably already do feel this way. I'm not saying it's right. But think about people with power. Hmm. Think about like Larry Nasser, who was the gymnastics coach at Ohio State yeah. who abused a bunch of adolescent girls. Yeah. Some of you go, yep, he deserves what's coming to him. Think about child molesters. Think about pastors who leveraged their power, yeah. lost sight of the coming kingdom. They probably had a picture of it some way, and instead got so caught up in their pleasure that they molested little boys and girls. Yeah. And you go, they should get what's coming to them. Yeah. You feel that, right? You feel that how, like, you do that to my daughter. Yeah. Probably not Christian, but I hope you get everything that's coming to you, yeah, right? right? There's just something. So when they hear this, they're not like, whoa, that's crazy. They yeah. go, yeah, people who get given power, when they leverage that power, for to leverage other people's pain for their pleasure. Their power leverages other people's pain for their yeah. pleasure, which happens all over. There is a natural consequence. And so what's really interesting here is this really does show that God is a perfect steward and a perfect judge. There is pain to be had, and there is consequences to be reaped for yeah. what you sow. Now you go, wait, 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 wait. I thought Jesus paid for that. Oh, that he did, which is the glory for those of us who are Christians. Yeah. And I think this will probably answer some of that question of, for us as Christians, Yeah. Jesus sees our sin, sees our brokenness, and he says, while we were still doing those things, he died for us, and he freed us from the captivity and the judgment that comes. He says, if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, uh, God and he says, if whoever calls on the, upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart God, that God was raised from the dead. If you confess your sins, that you, it literally says, uh, confess your sins to God so that you might find forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. It's for forgiveness. You find it for forgiveness. And he literally says, whoever confesses those because God is faithful and just, he'll mm-hmm. forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? So whenever we've sinned and we go, God, we're so sorry, we leverage our power for our pleasure at the expense of someone else's pain. And we go, God, we're so sorry. And it literally Jesus says, when you do that, he goes, God, 
I paid for that. Yeah. You can't crush them. I paid for that. No, 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 no. I, that's when he says he got is just. He's a just judge, meaning there is no double jeopardy, meaning Jesus paid for it. So for us that are followers, the great joy is and grace of him is he is not going to make you to pay the price you deserve. Yeah. But he's such a perfect judge in this, such a perfect judge, such a perfect judge, that for those who never know him, are going to be judged based on the life that they live, yeah. right? Most people go, I want to be judged based on the life that I live. There is no God, and God goes, okay, you can have your wish. Yeah. And now you're going to be judged based on that, and they're literally, and I can't understand it fully, but it, it's played out in all the scriptures. I can't teach it perfectly, but there's different levels of judgment hmm. and torment based on people's lives. Yeah. So for those of us who are Christians, uh, we'll still give an account. God will cover us with grace. We will not receive the punishment. The way I know that is because in heaven there are no more tears, no more pain, no more mm. sorrow. So you will not experience tears, pain, or sorrow as a result of your actions here. But there is something about how we are rewarded as good and faithful uh, mm. stewards. So there is a there is a mechanism, a reward system to celebrate how we trust the God in this. Now, for those of us who aren't Christians, there is consequences to pay as we stand before a judge and give an account. And there's a different level of pain and circumstances. So when he says, uh, uh, when it says, and a servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. So I'm telling you, as someone, if you don't know Christ and you continue to act that way, he, I'm, you, you don't get to go, I'm ignorant. Yeah. 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 Literally, he's just made this known to you, and grace and love, and the Holy Spirit's going, ah, oh, that you would trust that, right? And if you don't, there'll be there'll yeah. be severe consequences for yeah. it. Severe consequences. Now, for those of who are Christians, we still have to give an account for our life. And there are two different approaches to that. There is the sins of commission, those that we do, the sins of omission, the ones that we should have done. So there is a response to our treasure, and we will give an account for it. We will stand before God and say, yep, I chose my selfishness over that. And we'll grieve it, I imagine. So I don't know what that level is, but when we see the severe beating versus the light beating, I'm pretty convinced that that's pointing to those of us who haven't trusted Christ, who have decided to take our treasure to use it for our own gain at yeah. the expense of others. Yeah, I feel like that yeah, that's a big that question, part yeah. of that question. I think the only thing that maybe um, can knowing and, and can knowing or doing the master's will also mean knowing and doing God's word. Like I feel like that probably, I think that that might answer pretty much the rest of, and really yeah. appreciate, love the questions, so yeah, whatever yeah. you send them to. And this one's, what we're trying to do is trying to take a longer question which is great yeah. and try and make it simple especially now because i don't think yeah. i manage time all that way. no no but, it's my fault there but in all that I, yeah i think i'm trying to hit that and so yes yeah. so when it says the master of that servant will come when he does not hour does not know and will cut him on so we see over and over again no 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 and that servant who knew the master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will receive a severe beating yeah so um i don't again i think we're looking at someone who never surrendered their heart to Christ, yeah. right? Because the reality is we all have known and not done. Yeah. However, I do think there's some a, a real issue for us as Christ followers that Jesus has been very clear what he wants us to do hmm. with our treasure. And many of us have defiantly not. Yeah. And honestly, let me say it this way. I think you will experience a severe beating, hmm. not by God's hand slapping you, not by God's hands putting on your bare bottom, but by God taking his hands off of you. Hmm. Right? And so the beauty and brokenness of this world is we reap what we sow. Yeah. We know it. We see it all over the place. And some of the richest people I know who have turned their back on the Lord have experienced deep pain and sorrow. Mm. And many times that deep pain and sorrow has turned them back to Christ. Mm. So there's actually implications in the scriptures where if 
Christ followers decide to do sins of omission or commission, mm. they are the church is charged to bring that in front of them, yeah. hopefully one to one, and challenge them to walk away from that and participate in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And those who do are welcomed back in the community and celebrated, and they get to it. Those who don't are actually released from the Christian community hmm. for the sake of them experiencing the brokenness that comes of that right, to right. lead them back to a place of repentance. So when you mm-hmm. see a severe beating, you got two different things. Are we going to be eternally punished for it? Absolutely not. Are we going to experience the temporal pains that come with defiance and disobedience before God? Absolutely. Uh, are you going to fu- figure out that those funds, that relationship, that treasure, those things will not sustain you or save you? You will. So there is these natural consequences that come from walking defiantly with the Lord for the sake of you experiencing the pain and turning back and repenting. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I I would say please, if that doesn't answer your question, we would love to readdress that next week. So just please send us a question. Um, That is pretty much all the time, um, unless there was anything that you were dying to kind of give as a final thought. I will give a final thought. Um, What we are seeing right now is um, the opposition to the kingdom of heaven right now on earth in a pretty significant way. Uh, we're seeing it in the Middle East. Yeah. We just saw some horrific stuff come in Haiti. And I'm, I'm reading some stuff that questions whether or not God's hand's been taken off of that as it relates to witchcraft and voodoo. Mm-hmm. That gets really confusing to me because I know some people who really love the Lord. I know some people who really love the Lord who've lost their lives and lost orphanages in the middle yeah. and stuff in Haiti. And so I don't... It's so complicated and nuanced that I don't know. I can just open the screen and just go, see, this is exactly why this is happening. Yeah, yeah. But what I will tell you is it is happening, right? Yeah. So what do we do with that? And I would challenge you to, say, to see what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening in Haiti, what's happening in the complicated culture of our world, what may happen in the next couple of weeks as we, you know, as the 20th anniversary of September 11th yeah. and the conversations that happen around that as it relates to Afghanistan. What I would say is I would implore you to keep your eyes open See those as stimuli to respond. And if you don't know how to respond, I mean, just offer to you now the best thing, the first thing, the ultimate thing you can do is pray. Yeah. And so I would challenge you, as I'll challenge our staff, to be praying for Afghanistan. Yeah. I'd be praying for the Christians in Afghanistan. I'd be praying that God would make his spirit known to the Taliban, yeah. that God would bring his peace and joy to Haiti right mm-hmm. now that God would uh, bring us and draw us to a place of repentance in America to see ourselves as being entrusted with a lot to steward and take that treasure and place it in the kingdom now. So there's lots of stuff that we could be praying about. All this stuff is kind of rising up um, throughout history. And I'm sorry for taking up so much time, but I, I just valued this this crew here. Uh, throughout history, there's always been this interesting thing happened. You can go back to like. Uh, that whatever the short period, whatever the seven-day war, whatever it is in Israel and all that kind of stuff, there's this really messy moment that happened in August and September. And what's interesting is it actually seems to coincide with the Jewish New Year. Mm. So this, if you go throughout history, this is a time of great rebellion and mm. pain and stirring. And so mm. uh, as, for those of us whose eyes are open to it, mm. right, then let's just be aware and be participating in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to have his way in our world. But as we ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in our world, go ahead and tell him that whatever his way is, if he'll tell us it, we'll, we'll yeah. say we've already yeah. said yes to it. Yeah. So we, we have a spiritual and kingdom obligation 
to participate in making this place more like heaven right now. So that's what I would challenge you with. So thanks for that. So uh, we're going to wrap it up there and just say thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you are challenged and encouraged by the discussion today. As always, if you have questions, feel free to email us overtime at clcfamily.church. I apologize the last two weeks. I haven't done great at getting to all the questions, but we are back at it in a regular routine. Um, Please let us know. You can text us also 610-869-2140. As always, we hope to see you next week and have a blessed week.